Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Everyone always wants to know, what are you wearing today? But no one ever thought to ask, how are you wearing today? Welcome to the Triple J Show, hosted by Jeremy Kirkland, Gian Delian, and John Moy. This show is what a podcast would sound like if you could make one with your own hands. Like we used to in the good old days, when jacket cuffs were functional, jeans were shuttle loomed, and no one joked, Hey buddy, why are you so dressed up? Just because you decided to wear a sport coat to the grocery store. As three mildly respected industry veterans whose net worth is mostly housed in their closets, the Triple J crew will share stories from behind the bespoke curtain, make a little more sense of the rapidly changing fashion world, and who knows, someone may learn a thing or two. So button those middle buttons, tighten those side tabs, strap on those monks, and enjoy the ride. I'm always figuring out some technical issues, but we're going to get there. We are going to get there. Believe it or there. not, we've done this before. We have done this before. So, Gian, you're in Miami. You're doing your art basling. Uh, yeah, it's technically a Miami Art Week because Art Basel is um, a copyright of Art Basel. So, if you, you know, say some, it's like, it's like you can't say you're on Broadway to say you're off Broadway. So, it's like you're not doing something during Art Basel unless it's actually at Art Basel, right? It's just during hashtag Miami Art Week. <laughs> Okay. Which okay, is that makes something sense. I learned because, like, a lot of um, I mean, it's so funny because it's like it's it's not even I don't know. Art Basel's become you know sort of a cultural thing people like to make fun of in the same vein that Fashion Week is also like this. You know, when, when people don't really understand what happens, something that began as like a super niche trade show kind of thing has become like a joke. For people who think it's kind of frivolous, but um. The big thing that's happened, of course, is that like crypto and like NFTs and the metaverse have definitely taken over Miami as a whole, right? Because they have, I think it's still here. They did like a cyborg charging bull to really, you know, show Oof. how like literally bullish they were on crypto. And now that FTX has collapsed, and, you know, and another company, and, yeah, I don't even another know company, one. yeah. But you know what? I still, I still believe in the platform of uh, of the blockchain and Web three and NFTs. I just think it's funny that like, you know, you see gentrification in real time, and it's like I was just over in downtown Miami, and, and they've literally transformed a good part of downtown into like a literal version. It's like it's a real life version of Decentraland. There's like little NFT and metaverse shop fronts for like different <laughs> sorts of you know. NFT communities and stuff like that. And so I'm just like, all right, this is this is the future. They're gonna kick out, you know, the mom and pop shops and 
everybody's only gonna take moon pay <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah you want, i mean like a slice of pizza or something it's kind of funny um i'm bummed dj Khaled is not in miami with you man my favorite instagram personality of all time oh i know i did i did see pharrell earlier oh there you go he was walking outside of design miami i mean the, well the main reason i'm here is um nike and virgil Abloh securities are doing a series of um events mm-hmm. you know in his honor his wife shannon has, has spearheaded a bunch of these initiatives um one of which today w- was a symposium at design miami um with a lot of his close collaborators and friends so you know they had a graffiti one with futura um you're not from iraq you know legendary graffiti writers and then i went to an amazing music one uh where that was moderated by chloe sultan and uh featured benji b of course the artistic director of louis vuitton uh a side from no vacancy in uh devin turnbull who makes uh, Oja speakers, super nice guy. Um, and that was just, you know, cause music is something I'm into. Right. But then like, admittedly, you know, it's like the influence it's had on clothes and fashion and streetwear and sneakers, you know, is outsize. And it's always something yeah. I want to learn more about. I don't consider myself a music expert. I do like music, but you know, it's like having worked for, a music publication or, uh, you know, a publication that started in like hip hop, like complex, you know, I got sort of a crash course in like that sort of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I definitely consider myself as being more on the sidelines and like wanting to take in as much as possible on that. You know, not, not unlike the conversation you had with uh, W. David Marks on the <laughs> pod, right. About how, how many people in, you know, this industry, or, you know, the creative industries in general are um, sort of failed musicians, right? It's like, I think A-Side made a great point, which was actually really funny. He's like, don't don't trust any fashion designers that don't like music. And he's like, wait, except maybe Ralph Lauren. He's probably the one exception. I'm not sure what kind of music he likes, but maybe it's like, you know, country western <laughs> or like Bing Crosby. But yeah, I was going to say, Ralph, yeah. was a, he's a big Fred Astaire guy. That was his, yeah, that was his number one sure. vibe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, no, I mean, music, it's the, the amount of, of, you know, punk rock dudes and all yep. these other folks. I mean, Jun became... Takahashi of Undercover. Oh, I shit, mean, we'll, we'll right. talk about Raph Simmons, right? Like, yeah. we can't not have this conversation and not talk about, you know, your favorite patchwork or like patched bomber jackets, patch bomber jacket makers, maker <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he was the source code for for a lot of a lot of brands and a lot of you know people's approach to design now too, which which you know we'll definitely get into. Yeah, yeah. Because here's I the mean, thing: the, the internet blew up over Raph saying that he was going to stop his brand. He didn't say he was retiring yep. from designing. He didn't even say he was going to retire. He said the Raph Simmons brand will end after this collection. Yeah, and it's like. That that's a G move, right? Because he was yeah. like, "Look, I, I'm done with it. It's my thing. Like, I'm Raph Simmons. What am I gonna do? Hand it over to somebody else to be the creative director of my label, right? And and, and he's been in that position at Jill Sander, right? Where and you know, same with like Dior, where it's like, look, he sort of saw the trajectory that one could take, right? And I think." he was smart in that I don't ever want to see it go to a place where 
people or the, even like Helmut Lang, right? It's like, I don't ever want to see it go to a place where, you know, I'm far removed from the brand, but what my name represents and what my name is and like the clothes that are associated with it, you know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain type beat. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I was like, it's also because the brand isn't doing that hot. I mean, based on yep. people I've talked to and other people that I know who buy high-end stuff, no one's been, people want old Raph, you know, yep. but no one's all pumped about new Raph. The last time I saw anyone that was really amped about buying new Raph, it was Calvin Klein. That was the last time yep. I saw like people I knew who paid with it with their own money, you know, mm-hmm. who didn't get it for free, didn't get anything else. It was Calvin Klein Raph. For menswear, yeah, the Jaws collection is really good. That that debut collection with like the laminated, um, I think it's like a mohair cashmere coat, or that with like the removable plastic layer to it. I mean that quilted fishtail. Yeah, the quilted I mean, fishtail with yeah, with the raft. Right, it's like you know David Rudnick, who is an amazing graphic designer and just creative thinker. Uh, ironically i do like his nft series he has a nft series called the tomb series and essentially he like hand paints mini discs and like other and the storage medium and he hand paints them and codes them um into like distinct hierarchies and categories and then people can buy them as nfts it's it's very confusing but it looks really sick and it may or may not have inspired the album art for yeezus uh down the line you know subconsciously but Basically, you know, he, he talks about Raph as, as a victim, sort of, of of his own vision, but also of meme culture and the constant like regurgitation and reposts that we now have, right? He's like, you know, he became, he's such a mood that he became everybody's mood board. And then what was once novel and like signature for him just became expected. And so it's like the consistency that he showed in his codes just became like boring over time, right? He's still doing Prada, right? Yeah, he's still doing Prada. Yeah, and and so it's it's not even because everyone it was like, oh my god, man, R.I.P. to the goat, you know. And it was like it was like he announced he was dying, and this was all within <laughs> yeah, it was all within the last week of you know Alessandro. It sounds like being forced to step out of Gucci. And yep. then Tom Ford selling his brand, his makeup brand slash clothing brand for a, yep. a whopping $2.8 billion. Yeah. I mean, let's get it straight, though. The Tom Ford deal is mostly for the cosmetics, right? Yeah. Because there are people who aren't aware. It's like, as far as the men's business is concerned, like Xenia's had that license for, I want to say, like a decade or so. Yeah. So, I mean, Xenia is really sitting really pretty right now because they're having a really strong moment in sportswear and their own brand. But of course, they've also got Tom. They've got both Toms now. Right? Yeah. Well, they've had both Toms, but they have Tom Ford and Tom Brown. So, you know, in terms of like fashion with a capital F and then luxury with a capital <laughs> L, they've got that whole space covered, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, they, they have everything. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um. Yeah, and all, you, you all can the have Zenia your Tom with an H or with with no H. <laughs> it's still going to be Zenya made either way. Yeah, all the Zenya sportswear is crazy, crazy good. Like that. It that's is. And, and you know, I yeah, think, yeah. I, I will give them credit because I feel like if the average you know finance guy 
dresses in like a cashmere overshirt and like triple stitches and like, you know, a pair of nice Xenia trousers and like a white bull denim or something like that or a five pocket or what have you. It's it's still a step up from that usual uniform of like, you know, a high blue suit with burnished brown shoes. I, I think in terms of like what casual dress looks like, you know, I think they, they really have that down pat. And I think the, the last heyday I remember Xenia having was what, like crazy stupid love when like Steve Carell's character like was head to toe Xenia in so many of those looks <laughs> when he was like, you know, next to Ryan Gosling's character, like post takeover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's clear what they're aiming for, right? Like they want the same customer as like Loro and, you know, they really wanted to just nail this pretty much like seemingly effortless effortless and like minimal elegant like city kind of dress right where it's like you could be 40 you could be 70 but either way you're definitely rich yeah yeah <laughs> moy are you back i just heard an echo hey man but blame blame it on the milkmaid behind you the rig out moy's back he's got vermeer on his wall <laughs> Yeah, Next right. to Akira, I like I like that you have a literal mood board. He does have a literal mood board. Whew. Um, thank God Moy's back. Now I got Vermeer to look at while I'm learning and about Raph history. We were chatting Raph piecing out and just kind of how everyone flipped out over it for no apparent reason. Um, and it's also because people weren't buying his stuff. But I don't know. I just my my thing is I feel like people are more interested in brands and like being excited about them than they are actually mm-hmm. buying them like yep you know um and people forget that for those brands who exist uh you have to make money yeah like they have they have to sell yeah. things yeah i mean i think that's always like it was like tim coppins right patrick gravel it was like very similar where like yep it wasn't for lack of quote-unquote interest or like fans but like how many people were does that stuff sell yeah. You know. Well, also here's here's a new wrinkle that didn't exist prior, though, right? It's like if you wanted old nom de guerre, or you wanted you know old pieces from Peg Leg, or like the first iteration of like Noah, or like you know cloak from like Alexander Plokov and like Robert Geller, you really couldn't buy old clothes, let alone anything with like a degree of specificity to it. Like that's true. eBay was you know a mess grail didn't exist neither did like the real real or anything like that and so i think the fact that those platforms do exist and that vintage shopping and specifically like archive culture is around now right you have a whole like avant-garde kids on tiktok and instagram like only looking for very specific yoji and rick collections and you know an there's no shortage of Instagram accounts now where kids can be like, oh, well, Riot, Riot, Riot was this. And then Consumed was like this collection. And, and one of the brands I'm going to call out, like, you know, speaks to this, right? Where it's like, you know, that's part of the reason why, you know, Raph wasn't as relevant because the new stuff, people are like, that's just not as good as the old stuff. But there's also plenty of the old stuff to buy. And there's plenty of the not so old stuff that people can still buy if they're like, they quote, quote unquote, want a piece, right? It's like, if you want to get an oversized sweater from like the replicants collection or, you know, a quintessential raff, like staple item, like a oversized denim shirt with like, 
you know, the leather patch on it. You you can still right. buy all that stuff and you could get it for a very decent price, you know, in the same way that any low head can just like search for, you know, polo fireman jacket or CP 93 and, and get like, you know, the, either the reissue or like vintage low pieces. And so I think in terms of collector culture and people who want to buy specifically like old brands that aren't necessarily around or aren't up to snuff compared to the newer stuff, like it's so much easier now. Yeah. Well, here's, but here's the thing in terms, they already made money off that the first time it sold. And so as things get, you know, like rediscovered, like say you compare this to the music industry, right? All the people who just discovered Radiohead or Tom Petty or some sort of thing like that, those guys make money again. It's it's not as much as maybe the first time, but you still make money. Um, if you're if you made clothes, who you know, in some cases, some of these folks, it's just like you know, people that flip Supreme or whatever, they're making more money than the designers. Do you think like the designers should remake classic stuff for that? Sounds to me like this is why the blockchain exists, Jeremy. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's funny because I was going to be like, funny you mentioned the NFT. In perpetuity, potentially? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you can't blockchain No, you can't, but like, that's that's part of, you know, we were talking about NFTs earlier in crypto, and it's like, to me, that ultimately is how it could be implemented into, you know, the fashion world, right? If, If you're a relatively niche designer, is there a way to sort of, you know, make sure that if something, you know, gets resold down the line, you know, you get a percentage in perpetuity or whatever. You know, maybe that's mm-hmm. a pipe dream, but it's that's the exact reason why so many people have flocked to, you know, that technology in terms of giving rights to creators and artists. But that's also why, you know, art and commerce and fashion, it's like, you know, we can, how much time do we have to talk about <laughs> You know, how it's yeah. not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's true. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, it's like, it's the same thing as, like, selling a book. Right. right. Selling a book, right? Like, the author in the publishing house only makes, like, on the first sale, yeah. right? Like, there are, you don't get royalties from, like, buying it from, like, a used book. Should, right? should J.K. Rowling continue yeah, to, you know, get a pence <laughs> right. off every aftermarket Harry Potter book? Or should it go towards, you know, a trans nonprofit <laughs> instead? Oh my god, that would be hilarious! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be pretty sick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like. Yeah, I guess like ideally that would be cool. You yeah, know? but it's also but at the end of the day too. In, in Rash's case, I don't, case, I just, I don't think it's necessary that like even, you know, he needed like the money from like selling up the brand off, right? No, it's almost stronger with it ending. Yeah, he went full Ricky Gervais. You just. Quit while you're on top, you <laughs> yeah. know. He, he and end the show early. Stanza. I mean, I think there's oh, something to be said about that, though, right? Because it lends, like, an air of, like... Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, like, instantly all of, like, his favorite collections of yours are now, like, dog, I, yeah. I better... If I really wanted something, I better, I better get it now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It, it, it elevates, you know, mm-hmm. things to an artifact. In the same way, you know, and it's like someone who I've talked to uh, about this, right, is like, uh, is is Brandon Babinzi. Like, we were just chopping up at Noah, and and he was like, 
you know, his big thing for Supreme was always like, I always thought that, you know, instead of ever selling it, like now, now that it's owned by VF, James should just shut it when it's done. It's like, that's it. That's done. We're done. Like we had a good run and now we're off to do some other stuff. And I thought that was such a G move and that's, you know, pretty much what Raph did. Um, but while we're on the topic, right, of like clothing and how, you know, it becomes more than just an item you wear, it's like we're celebrating or reflecting on, you know, a year since Virgil Abloh's passing. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm wearing one of his LV sweaters. Like one of the main reasons I'm in Miami is to, you know, sort of. If you're hearing this, it means you've hit the end of the Patreon preview. Podcasting ain't much, but it's honest work. To hear the rest of the Blamo special episodes, please consider signing up for the Patreon. For just a few dollars a month, your hard-earned cash can help our talking heads dress the rest of their bodies in marked-down artisanal clothes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>